Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to everybody who doesn't know how to buy and earn in the moment. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know me. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. I know that not everybody loves a long intro. This one's not that long. It's only about six minutes long. I think if you skip about six minutes, you'll be towards the end of it. So thanks so much. Enjoy the call. Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. I feel so lucky to be here. I feel so incredibly joyous that this show survives, that this show is now independent, that I can put a little more of my personality into it, that things are are taking on this new form. And I've seen a lot of the feedback from people going, this new independent era has this energy to it. I want to thank you for listening, for contributing to that. I want to thank Andrea for stepping up when things, you know, the, the production side of this show is a heavy lift and Andrea's bringing personality and flavor to it. It's It's really awesome. I got shows in Jersey. By the time you're hearing this, we should have announced, I think, the Salem and Gloucester County shows. Those are two very mysterious to me, New Jersey County. So if you are down in Salem or Gloucester, you want to come out, chrisgeth.com for the tickets would be much appreciated. I'm not going to do a super long intro this week. I'm going to do something that's unprecedented in the show and also probably foolish, probably foolish, Because we had an advertiser a few weeks ago, Helix Mattresses, and I just want to be very clear. They have not paid for me to talk about this. They did not buy an ad in this episode. But I'll tell you, because I I had mentioned that um, they... They offered, I like to be full disclosure when, you know, when you get the samples of the products and they had offered me a mattress, but we had recently bought a new one. Hallie's an environmentalist, so we couldn't just throw out a relatively new mattress, but they gave Cal a mattress for his first big boy bed. And last night, uh, Cal's, he's got an ear infection lately. And um, I tell you, it's, he's waking up, he's in pain. And I crawled into that bed to cuddle with him, to help him chill out. And I'm holding him. And as I'm laying there, I'm like, this goddamn Helix mattress is probably the most comfortable mattress I've ever slept in. And that just happened last night. So I'm not in the business of giving free ad slots to anybody. But I will just tell you, if you heard the Helix, the Helix mattress was comfortable enough that I'm going back now and saying it's a talking point just in my life that my kiddo has a great bed. And I want to thank Helix mattress again for providing it. And I'm not somebody who's just trying to give away the milk for free why would i do that but legit it's no joke what else do we have to talk about i don't know if this one needs to be long there's not much on my mind i'll tell you guys that you know really the only thing that's taking up time for me right now is uh what andrea would vouch for me is a a truly insane set of halloween decorations on my front lawn 
I will often send out videos of my setup as I add to it to the text thread for my other podcast, New Jersey is the World, where me and Andrea and a few of our friends talk about New Jersey. And I mean, I've got an eight and a half foot tall devil with a 15 foot wide wingspan that yells at people when they walk by. I've got a 20 foot tall inflatable ghost. I've got actual pumpkins grown in molds so that skeleton heads are growing out of their sides. Halloween's the best time of year. Um, I'm obsessed with my lawn. Like, I don't need to tell you guys about that. This is where I'm at. A happy suburban dad with overzealous Halloween decorations to the degree that Hallie pulled me aside and was like, you know, at some point you need to think about if you're being a good neighbor or a bad neighbor with these lawn decorations. Like that's, that's who I am. It's where I'm at now. So it is what it is. I'm not going to belabor the point. You guys get it. And if you're out here in Jersey, please don't try to find my house. Okay. Don't just start driving around until you locate my house and go, that's gotta be it. Please, like legit, please don't do that. Anyway, okay. This week's episode, I love it. I love it. Our caller, it's largely split into two topics with a third one that's kind of in the air for the whole thing. That one being that our caller is pretty deep into a pregnancy. Congrats to the family, her and her partner. Um, We talk about that. We talk about parenting a little bit, but a lot of what we talk about is how they chose to move to a what sounds like a pretty remote island. And we talk about this island life and this small town enclosed life. We talk a lot about that. And then we talk a lot about how she works in the world of um, veterinarians. I We find this out in the, in the bonus content, which I want to speak to that uh, momentarily. In the five questions, she cleared it up. You'll hear this someday. I promise the bonus content is on its way. She's not a veterinarian. She works in the veterinary field. Uh, but we talked a lot about that. And, and she talks about how I had vaguely heard this at some point, that veterinarians and people associated with them have a particularly high suicide rate, how it's kind of a high-pressure profession. And she talks a lot about why. Uh, it's really fascinating from a sociological sense. Kind of bounce back and forth between those two topics. And I think it's a really great call. I thank the caller for calling and the high priestess of the show, Andrea Quinn, for patching the caller through. Now, just to mention that bonus content, the uh, it's coming. It's coming. I actually just earlier today sent out an email to my lawyer and manager, and I was like, guys, I know we're trying to nail down a contract for this. At the same time, the show has so much positivity and so much momentum right now. And every week that goes by, we're getting a little further away from that relaunch where people are so excited and primed and ready to help us out and get on board with this independent version of the show. We got to get this thing up and running. So I'm telling you guys, it's going to be so cool. It's going to be really simple. It's bonus audio content. We're not trying to throw a million things at you with it. We're just trying to do some simple extensions of the show you already support and love that really feel like they're worth your time and money. I really do think that I'm particularly in tuned with our fan base, with these sort of like chill people that want human conversations and don't want drama in their lives. My instinct is that you don't need a million live streams and incentives and whatnot. You just will be – my gut is that a lot of you out there are expressing to me that you'd be – Happy to support with a few bucks a month for some stuff that's a real cool, logical, thoughtful extension of the show you already know and love. And man, I really think we're building that. And the contracts are like maybe even later today going to get sent over to me. 
and then give us, me and Andrea, a week or two to just build out the infrastructure on how to execute that. And man, we are going to throw some really cool stuff at you. So you keep hearing me mention in recent calls that, you know, now the free feed's done and let's record more for the bonus content. We're also building this nice little library that when you sign up on day one, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff sitting there waiting for you from recent callers. And I just think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And and I'm happy to tell you too, it's not going to be one of these situations where I have to constantly plug it and beg you to be a part of it. It's just going to be a thing that gets mentioned in the course of the show. And in the early days, I will certainly be rattling the chains, trying to get some attention on it. But overall, it's going to be just a thing that's there if you want it. And we would love to have your support. So thanks to everybody who's been asking where it is. And I don't want to lose that enthusiasm on it. So I'm telling you, we're so close to being able to, uh, to just tell you how to sign up. So thanks, everybody for for asking and thanks everybody for supporting and thanks anybody who's ever called this show especially this caller who lives on an island and helps out animals thank you for calling beautiful anonymous a beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host hello hi chris hello how are you i'm good even though my son has an ear infection and had me up all night. Poor little guy. But that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. These things Poor happen. Guy. Ran him to the I doctor this morning. I have a three and a half year old son. You get it. Oh, you went to the doctor this morning. You got some antibiotics? Yeah, I got the amoxicillin waiting for him when he gets home. So now I'm like already plotting how to, how to have that conversation where I try to be like, Oh, dude, you're lucky. I remember this medicine from when I was a kid. I loved amoxicillin. Just to try to like make him think it's a positive. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the, the bubblegum flavor, right? Yeah, whereas the truth is I distinctly remember the first time I had amoxicillin and I hated it. But I'm going to lie to this child. <laughs> I'm going to lie. I'm already planning my lies. You've got to do what you've got to do. Indeed. Oh, man. Well, is this his first ear infection? Have you dealt with this before? I don't think he's had an ear infection before, no. If I remember. I mean, he's had yeah, any I... number of crazy crazy conditions over the years, but this one I think is new to us. Yeah, I haven't I have a three and a half year old son, so not too far off from uh Cal's age, but um we haven't had our first ear infection yet. And I'm not looking forward to it because I remember what that was like. When I was a kid, it was terrible. Yeah. No, you don't want to. You don't want to watch your kid go through that. That's fair. Now, well, how are you? I haven't asked you how you're yeah. doing yet. <laughs> I am 38 weeks pregnant. Hey, congrats! And, uh, thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm miserable in my body. I'd like to be done with pregnancy. So, um, aside from that, I'm well. Everything is well, but uh, my sciatica is killing me. I'm just sitting around icing my back. My kid just went into his quiet time, nap time, and um, I'm excited to be talking to you. This is wild. I was just listening to the um, Love is Everywhere Waffle Brunch episode. I'm catching up on a little bit of a backlog. And I was just listening to that and then saw the, the tweet. And now I'm talking to you, and this is completely wild. <laughs> Here we go. Here we are. Making it yeah, happen. Gosh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, did not think I'd ever get through, but I finished my last day of work yesterday. 
So, uh, so I, it, timing was perfect, I guess. I'm ready for a call. Nice. Now, um, 38 weeks pregnant, you said? 38 weeks, yeah. I tell you, because we're one and done, so, in, unless there's some very unexpected development in my life. Can I ask you, and I say this, I say this with genuine curiosity, because you said you have a kid who's not much younger than my kid, right? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this again? <laughs> Chris, I don't know because I'm an insane person. Um, I, because I love my husband and I love my son and, and it's a nuanced answer, but um, I could have been one and done personally, very yeah. much could have been one and done. Sure. I hate being pregnant. First of all, hate being pregnant. Um, and of course, you know, being a parent is a lot. We're also, um, I'm a little bit younger than you. My husband is right about your age. And, uh, but you know, we're, we're right in the same age range and that's a little bit older on the scale of, you know, parenting a toddler. So it's also a little bit crazy to walk into having another baby in this age range. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to just like physically get through the parenting. Um, so there's a lot of reasons that this feels completely crazy, but also I love my son, you know, to the, you know, more than, of course, you know, more than I could even put into words. Yeah. Um, and, and getting to do that again does feel beautiful. And my husband really wanted um, another, he would have had like 10 if he, you know, had his way. So Two is a fair compromise. He'd have ten, um, and we get to have a little girl. Oh, congrats! That's maybe an exaggeration, but he wanted many. <laughs> what is he? He's Irish Catholic. <laughs> uh, not far off, but no, no. <laughs> He's Catholics. They never slow uh, down. Yeah, he just loves kids. My neighbor down the block—they're <laughs> about to have their fifth. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't see more than two. I like more than one is crazy, but more than two, I feel like you're off your rocker. Like, how are you going to manage that many children? Too many. Yeah. yeah. But more power to you. If you're one of them, one of the people who are, who are having that many more power to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you had to describe being 38 weeks pregnant in one sentence, what would that sentence be? Um, one sentence to describe being pregnant. How could this possibly get any more uncomfortable? Yeah. 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 Can I ask what part of the country yeah. you're in? It will. Um, I'm on the West Coast, <clears throat> way, way on the West Coast. Uh, I actually am on an island. If that gives you a clue, I'll, I'll drop that hint. Um, yeah, and that's one of the one of the things that I um, said, you know, when I was talking to is it Andrea or Andrea? Uh, I, I I mean, I say Andrea, but the high priestess I don't think would mind Andrea. I mean, I fancy your pronunciation. I think we can all just refer to her as the high priestess of beautiful anonymous, and that excellent. She's yeah. fabulous, by the way. She's lovely. Uh, She's great. But one of the things that I said to her was. Um, that I, I, on a whim, right, like not long before the pandemic <clears throat> and 
before having my son moved to an island on a whim from from another West Coast state, and uh, life has unfolded. Now you're not beautifully, ta- and you're not talking Hawaii, are you? You're not talking about Hawaii. No, I am not in Hawaii. Nope. Mm-mm. I'm on a cold island. On a oh, up up in that pack northwest, I'd imagine then. Um, perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps. Now, is there is there? Okay, I've got a lot of questions about that. Is there a hospital on the island? Are your doctors on the island? Are, are we talking bridge or ferry? How does one get on and off the island? Yeah, these are good questions. There is a hospital on the island. Um, it is a ferry situation. A ferry on and off the island. Uh huh. So, are you going to yep. be able to deliver so, your baby on uh, the island? I am. I delivered my last baby on the island, and I will deliver this baby on the island. Um, the, barring any complications, everything can happen here. If you know, if it's a NICU situation, they um, they ship you off the island. But and uh, now, listen, I'm so knocking on wood. I am knocking on wood, praying for no situation necessary. But if there are complications with your pregnancy, you got to get on a ferry. If well, you know, if there were major complications, they would probably do, uh, you know, an airlift over um, to the mainland. So I probably would not be in a ferry situation in in that scenario. But yeah, depending, you know, if you have to get over for for medical care over to the mainland that, you know, is not available on the island, then yeah, you're looking at a ferry. Do you like this island life? I love it. I I love it desperately. I will never go back. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. It's small town. It's weird. I don't come from a small town. I come from a, you know, a large city suburb and um and and just my husband and I he's he's actually from very close to you. He's from the East Coast. He's uh I'm not gonna drop the town, but you would know you would know exactly where he's from. Um but yeah, he and I met on the West Coast and then we just visited this place and truly on a whim, like fell in love and decided that we were gonna sell our house and move, and within six months of of visiting for the first time, we we did we did that. We sold our house, we moved, and landed on this tiny little island with very small town vibes. And it's like the best decision we could have possibly made. It completely altered our you know the course of our lives and our professions, and it's been amazing. It was it was the best possible choice. So I I encourage anyone who has a big life decision to make to go for that, you know, really gut feeling of, of trusting that you're going to make the right decision because it is beautiful. Wow. But now you got to, now you got to give birth to your baby on the Island. Oh my gosh. My first birth was amazing on the Island. It was amazing. Um, actually the first birth was not in, in the hospital. Now I got to ask. So when we're talking Island, you still got to, target out there or is it like get off the ferry and now you're trapped out here in this sort of twin peaks northern exposure style i I need to understand the scale of this island do they have a starbucks on the island like what's on the island where are we at well 
Okay, it's uh, I'm going to give so much away if I answer specific ways. So I will say that for me to get to any like, you know, corporate sort of chains, they're on the mainland. There's um, no Starbucks on the island. Well, I'm not going to say there's no Starbucks on the island, but for where I'm at on the island, if I want a Starbucks, it's going to be on the mainland. So it's a big enough island that there is potential to drive to a Starbucks, but it's quicker for you to get on a ferry to get a star <laughs> to get Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this, so, you know, we. I we just do... have to say, hands down, I'm pretty good with geography. I've traveled all over the country. I've been to a lot of like unusual little pockets in America, and I've never in the 400 plus episode history of this show have I been more confused as to where you could possibly <laughs> live. Well, the fact that it is a small town, uh, you know, if I gave too much away, well, I, I probably have given enough away at this point that if anybody who lives on the island who knows me is listening, they have already figured out <laughs> who I am and where I am. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, you, you, you've gotten the general gist of it though. Uh, but you know, we do a, a big Costco run like once a month, we stock up, we've got a, um, I like to call it our cadaver freezer. It's like, you know, the size of a freezer that you would store a cadaver in. We stock that up with supplies so we don't have to go to the mainland and, um, and then do, you know, our farmer's market. Um, and local grocery store shopping in the in-between. No, and I, it's like very local, very sweet. You've kept it vague. And if you want to keep it vague, that's fine. But are you in Alaska? Because this is the, that only, this only no. happened. This happens in places that aren't Alaska? You're describing <laughs> yeah, Alaska, Alaska or Hawaii, maybe. <laughs> no. This is a no, thing that's connected no. to the continuous 48 United States, an island where you have mm-hmm. to have a casket freezer and take a ferry and there's a Starbucks on the island, but it's quicker for you to drive your car onto a boat. What madness? Yeah. What madness is this? <laughs> Caller, I, I'm going to pause here and let you know in the moment I was truly frustrated. I'm generally very good at guessing these things. Can't do it with you. Even now, after the call's done, I have no idea what area of the country you, we have nailed the general region, and I still cannot imagine where you're at, which is good. And hey, if you're out there, let's not dox the caller. Let's not make it a guessing game. Anyway, we have some ads. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks to all of our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. This is a thing that's connected to the continuous 48 United States, an island where you have Mm -hmm. to have a casket freezer and take a ferry and there's a Starbucks (laughs) on the island, but it's quicker for you to drive your car onto a boat. What madness? What madness is this? (laughs) 
It's lovely. I wish I, I, I wish I could just say it because I, you should visit. No, it sounds so like you're one visit, of like 13 or 14 people that live there. <laughs> I've actually got, like so that. I've gotten other people. Now. We moved and now there's people that have moved uh, alongside us. So we have actually like community from, from our former lives that, that are here now because of us. <laughs> Wow! Oh, you've you've dragged for, like acquaintances and friends out to the not dragged. You've convinced them. They've seen how you live, and they go, "We want in on this island life." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, we have. Wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Yeah, my um, my husband. Started a completely different business when we got here. It's really? thriving. I jumped into a totally different. Yeah, like like really just changed our lives, really completely. And then you know the pandemic happened, and that also completely changed our lives. Alongside having a baby, you know, simultaneous to the pandemic, which um, you know, being 38 weeks and pregnant, I'm also a high risk pregnancy. So we're still living in the world of the pandemic, where uh, of course, most people have moved on. We still do the mask thing, and um, we're really careful. But yeah, the, yeah, whole, whole, completely different lives we're living here than than four years ago. So you meet four years ago, fall in love. Within months, you're living on an island. Oh, no. Okay, no. Okay. You <laughs> no. moved four years. We've ago. been together for eighteen years. We've been <laughs> <Yeah>. together eighteen. <laughs> oh, so it's four years ago that you left. That you moved to the island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we just we on a whim changed our lives and moved here and just yeah, found this island. Said, totally "Let's go for it." Choice. Quit your jobs, left everything behind, and now you're yep. living. And and look, um, the Pacific Northwest. Like people think island, and you think tropical, but I think Pacific Northwest, and I actually think very very cold in the winter, and very rainy a lot of the year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, these are two things. Mm-hmm. So you just gave up your whole life not, and moved to know. a rainy, desolate, cold island. And you love it. <laughs> love it. Like, love it. It's just, it makes my heart so happy. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. There are so many. Me- I mean, for one thing, um, I, like, a pastime is going out to look for whales which is incredible. There's orca whales around pretty regularly. So you find oh. out that they're here and you drive out to a good spot and watch whales. Just killer whales. Mm-hmm. You're just here through the grapevine. You know, like what, no you have cap- like an island text thread and somebody's like, hey, we got orcas at this place. And then everybody just drives up with folding chairs and sits and watches killer whales frolic in the sea. Yeah, actually, a friend of mine, we do pottery, and we were at the pottery studio, and uh, we got an alert that there were whales, and we literally, like, left notes on our pottery wheels, jumped in the car, and drove uh, to watch the whales, you know, 15, 20 minutes away, and then then eventually came back to our pottery wheels. (laughs) You left notes? Do you hear yourself? Do you hear what you just said? (laughs) It's a magical life, I'm telling you. You just leave a yep, note on the pottery wheel. On little pottery wheel. Mm-hmm. Gone to see whales. We'll come back. <laughs> wow. 
living that life. Really yeah. living that life. Yeah. Yeah, which you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on in the world right now and um there's a lot of tragedy and a lot of horrible, horrible things to see unfold. And so it feels pretty incredible to see um, where where we're living and the life we're living. And, and, you know, just it's like so lucky, so lucky to be here and to have made these choices. So, again, like anyone out there who's like, should I do this crazy thing? I, yes, you should do the crazy thing. Follow your really? heart. And do you think back on those 14 years before the crazy thing? And f- look back and go, oh, we didn't even know what was missing. Or was there like more tension in your lives or your relationship that you maybe didn't even understand in this relocation? Like, I, I'm wondering when you look back at the past life, how you view it, basically. Yeah, you know, multifaceted answer again, right? I look back and and everything from the past life led here and was necessary and, and contributed to, you know, our individual growth and getting to where we are now. Um, But, but for sure, like we talk regularly about, gosh, if we had only like discovered this, you know, 10 years ago, where, where would we be? Um, How would we be doing? Because, you know, 18 years is a long time we met when we were, young and stupid and um and built a lot of you know hard difficult patterns in our relationship over the course of those years that we had to unpack through a lot of work and therapy and you know um really um i think yeah i think if we if we had landed here sooner we probably would have gotten to the point that we are at now Sooner. I mean, we waited a long time to have kids. Um, my husband really wanted kids much earlier, and we were not in a place in our relationship to really do that. And and yeah, like things just kind of unfolded when we got here in this way that suddenly felt like the world just opened up, and um, and things like a lot of tension, a lot of pressure got better. Um, we had our son, we're having another baby now. Like, yeah, it, it feels like if we had done this sooner, we would be, you know, maybe we would have found that, um, that perfect place sooner. But of course, everything that we were doing in our prior lives led us here as well. So, you know, you can't lament too much. Now I did notice, I just wanted to flag, you said that your, your husband's desire was to have kids much earlier so that it sounds like you were the one who was thinking harder about it or maybe pumping the brakes on it until now. And 14 years together, was that 14 years married or 14 years dating into marriage? 14 years total. We've been married for 10 years now total. 10 years. So that still means you waited over six years after being married to have kids. Um, which is not a huge amount of time, but when you have one partner who's expressing excitement or eagerness about that, um, it, it is just something I'm flagging and I'm wondering if you want to talk about. We don't have to talk about, but it sounds like you were not feeling it for a bunch of years there. Yeah, no, that's accurate. Um, I, for many reasons, um, but one was that, you know, again, like 
you have to be in a good place in your relationship to have kids. And I think if you bring kids into the world when you're not ready, um, you're setting your yourself and your relationship up for failure, but you're also setting your kids up for, you know, a, a rocky road. And I don't think that, um, I don't think kids are something you want to bring into a relationship that isn't rock solid, right? And uh, I'm a very, you know, thoughtful person and I'm a planner and I, I, you know, look probably way too far ahead when I think about things and I can see, you know, I can see the pitfalls, I can see where it's going to go wrong. And, um, you know, my husband and I are, like, he's the most amazing person. We, I, I love him to the ends of the earth. We have a great relationship, but we had a lot of stuff that we had to repair from being in a relationship from the time we were, you know, really young and just dumb and, and building bad patterns and didn't know how to communicate. And, um, and, you know, we had to stick it out and see that through and get better. And, and again, you know, there lots of therapy, big proponent of therapy. Um, and we, you know, we got there, but I, there's no way that our relationship would have survived early on if we had chosen to have kids. It just wouldn't have. And then beyond that, personally, um, I am not someone who has ever like had a strong affinity for children. I don't, I, I don't naturally like gravitate towards being able to be, you know, playful with kids and engage them on their level. Like I don't know how to do that. And so I saw myself as somebody who was not going to be a really great mom. Um, I, I really, really questioned that. So there was a lot for me that I had to overcome to decide that I was ready to have kids. And he hung in there with me through that. And, you know, we, we had talked a lot about it. He knew I was, I was going to have kids with him, but, um, but it took a lot to get to a point where I was ready to do that. And then outside of our relationship, just external stressors in life and financially being prepared and all of that, you know, again, the plan for me, I wanted everything really as perfect as it could be as impossible sure. as that is. Sure. But I do think we waited until the right moment. <laughs> well, that's good. That's very good. And I want to know, you said you changed careers out there. I'm wondering what you used to do and what you do now, however much you'd be willing to share of those. Yeah, well, he he changed careers pretty dramatically. And, and, and we started a business um, here uh, on the island. I am in the same industry, but in a very different um, capacity. So I, uh, I work in the veterinary industry Okay. and I was working in a clinical setting and now I do remote work, but still within the veterinary profession. Um, so I, I didn't change careers, but I, uh, I grew from what I had been doing into a different realm within the profession. Um, so I still am very, very deeply involved in the veterinary world. It's my whole life. I've been doing it for as long as I've been with my husband. So long time. Um, and that's a whole other avenue we could go down. I don't think you've had um, anyone from the veterinary profession specifically on the show yet. And it is, that is an interesting topic to dive into. I'd love to um, talk more about I Island life first half, veterinarian life second half. Um, <laughs> well, I have a couple thoughts. One thing I'll say is this. You said that you don't have like an inherent playfulness with kids. And 
I didn't know if I was going to have that either, but I'll tell you, um, not to pat myself on the back and make it about me. I'm like a fun dad. And I don't know if I was going to have fun dad energy, but Cal's friends come over and they love tormenting me and they think my reactions are really funny. (laughs) And one of the proudest moments of my fathering career thus far was one time one of his friends came over and immediately was like, let's beat up your dad. And I thought that was so funny. I was like, that's, that's, that's as hard as I could possibly be nailing it. Now, um, all of this is fascinating. So now you're out here on the island doing remote veterinary work. I like it. You've mentioned that you really wanted to be careful about bringing kids into the world. Um, and yet at the same time, you have such a fierce dedication to animals. You've mentioned that you don't have a naturally playful parent energy and you wanted to think about that and sort it out. And yet this other career, which does lead me to a big question, which is that not speaking of your own kids, because everything changes when it's your own kids. But up until then, would you say you love animals or children more? Oh, animals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Talk to me about this. I'm not shocked. (laughs) <laughs> but I want to hear more about this, about how a young mother uh, can just hands down go, I, yeah, no, animals are better. <laughs> so I love my son. I love my son more than I have ever loved any animal. I'll say that, right? People are like, of course. oh, I love my dog as much as people love their kids. No, no, you do not love your dog as much as people love their kids. That, that is, there's no comparison, right? Um, but... Um, it's hard, oh, it's hard to put into words. I think um, there's something so just perfect about animals that is uh, sort of untarnished by uh, this like human world that we live in. Right? They're just innocent and perfect, and we screw them up pretty badly. Um, you know, like we screw up our, our kids. Um, so I'm not saying that every animal out there is like, you, you're going to want to cuddle with them, but, um, there's something like you can connect to the universe through animals. I think, um, you know, I'm not a religious person even remotely. Um, but, but that's how I connect to whatever greater sort of essence there is out there is by connecting to animals. And I think, you know, children are hard. <laughs> they're like yeah. crazy, energetic. They're hard. They're like they fight back at you. They're just a challenge. So my, you know, my heart it just you know connects more to animals. And even as a mom, like I, I, I can't connect with other people's kids the way I connect with my kid. I love my friends' kids. I, you know, I, I love them, but, um, but connectedness and feeling really like the you know, I'm part of something bigger that for me comes from animals. Yeah. 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 Are there any animals you've connected with that maybe we as humans don't associate with that connection? Like everybody knows what you mean with dogs. Cat owners will debate, you know, people, people who don't like cats are like, they would kill you if they were big enough. And you're like, no, my cat loves me. And people debate that connection. Are there any animals that you've either had a connection with or seen owners have a connection with where you're like, yeah, even I didn't think that was possible? (laughs) 
Um, well, okay, I don't, I don't really do birds at all. Um, that is not birds are not my thing. I, I would absolutely love to just sit in nature and be with birds, but having a bird in my home, I have a lot of feelings about that sort of yeah, morally yeah. speaking. And, um, so it's, it, that one's a hard one for me to like connect with the people that are just so, so connected to their birds, because to me, um, it's like, I wouldn't want to develop that deep of a connection with a bird. Cause I don't really feel great about having birds in homes or cages or things. So that one's a little bit surprised. Also like tarantulas, people definitely connect with like tarantulas. Like they love their, yeah, people connect with their tarantulas very deeply. No, they I, don't. I, I've never personally they do. No. There's no. spider people out there, I'm telling you. Well, they're... <sighs> okay. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to put a thought out. No, because see, it's this thing where I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. I know, because we have a very diverse listener base, and there's somebody out there who's like, me and my tarantula have gotten through a lot of stuff together. And I'm sure it's very real. <laughs> but I would argue that people who are really into their tarantulas are trying to show something about themselves more than they are connecting with the tarantula. Am I wrong about that? I might be. They want to come off as like I, goth. I, well, I, They're like goth people who listen maybe. to Depeche Mode and The Cure. <laughs> oh, we're making somebody mad right now. Um, I, I bet it starts there, but I know, I know that people do develop genuine relationships with their tarantulas and really do feel something there. And now I don't think that the tarantulas can feel it back the way our dogs and cats and birds, even even though they're not my thing, I don't think tarantulas feel it back. But I do think people feel surprisingly bonded to them. But I'll okay. bet you're right that it starts from a place of you know wanting to present something to the world. Yeah, if you buy a tarantula and care for a tarantula, I'm not mad about it, and I'm not judging it. But I do think that that is, in my mind, that is similar to like. You know, when ravers in the late 90s used to wear like patent leather pants and then neon uh, necklaces with pacifiers hanging off of them. Like you want us to know who you are. You're a tarantula person and you're letting you're making sure the world knows that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right on this. <laughs> Now, but I, I do. I'll bet we're making some people mad. There's going to be comments in the group on this. <laughs> Let's pause. I just pissed off the tarantula community because I know they're out there and I know some of them are going to let me know. So please do let me know the specifics of how I've insulted the tarantula community that must exist. And I would not be shocked if there's tarantula people that like Beautiful Anonymous. That, I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based Based on how you buy. Thanks to our sponsors who allow this show to exist. Now, let's finish off the phone call. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right on this. 
Now, but I, I do I'll bet we're making some people mad. There's going to be comments in the group on this. Oh, we're absolutely <laughs> going to get photos from people that are like, here's me and the most lovey, friendly tarantula you've ever seen. And I'm going to have to go, you know what? Yet again, I am wrong. Yet again <laughs> on this show, I am incorrect. Now, the real tough question when it comes to working in the veterinary field, right, is inherently to get into it. You're somebody who loves animals. You go to a lot of mm-hmm. schooling. Um, I don't know the actual breakdown, and I could be wrong about this. You'll be able to let me know. My guess is that you do a similar length of schooling to human doctoring, but you probably aren't making as much money, I'd have to think. Um, so there's a real dedication Correct. to animals there and a real love of animals, but it's one of those professions where you realize – there's probably a lot of people who wash out because they get into it because they love animals, but then you're around a lot of animals who are sick and dying. And those things aren't, those things don't always match up in a pleasant way. And I think a lot of people have a reckoning with that when they get into the veterinary field. You hit the nail on the head. And also something that you probably don't know is that veterinarians have one of, if not the highest rate of suicide in the profession. I've heard um, that. I've heard it, that. Yeah. It, yep. The number, it, it, I, I think we might be a number one right now, but I, um, I know it, it vacillates, but it's, it's pretty significant. Um, there are a lot of not just veterinarians, but also veterinary technicians who end up taking their own lives. Um, because some of what you just touched on, um, and and that's not the only reason. So, you know, people, of course, get into the, the field because they love animals. A lot of them also get into the field because they don't like people that much. Um, and to be, yes, to be a veterinarian, you have to go through the same amount of schooling as a human medical doctor, and you have to learn about medicine across um, a lot more species, right? Human medicine, just humans. Veterinarians have to learn it um, for multiple species. So it's actually, there's a, there, I, not, I'm not saying anything to disparage doctors. I'm just saying there's actually a little bit more to becoming a veterinarian. Um, you have to have a broader scope of knowledge in some ways. Um, and then you come out and you make, you know, pennies compared to human MDs, uh, and the veterinary field doesn't. It, it, there's there's pet insurance out there, and uh, my PSA to the world is go get pet insurance because as as the industry sees changes and has these conversations um, about you know some of the the challenges that exist within the profession. Um, we have, we're starting to do better. We're starting to recognize that we have to do better. We have to pay our teams more. We have to pay our veterinarians and our veterinary technicians more. Um, if we want to keep them in the field to do that, people are going to have to pay more for veterinary care and people are starting to value the lives of their animals more and more and more as, you know, um, I mean, just, it's just a progression that we've seen in society, right? People, incorporate animals into their homes more and, and place a higher value on them. So they're willing to do more for their care. And so 
they have to pay these these prices that they don't have to pay in human medicine because we all have insurance. Well, we don't all have insurance, but many of us have insurance. We don't see the actual prices of things. And in veterinary medicine, we do see the prices of things. And so, you know, veterinarians can't charge as much as they would need to to actually pay off their schooling and make enough money. Um, and they're also constantly accused of only valuing the money when they're put in front of a hard case that they can only treat with, you know, several thousand dollars worth of care. Um, and so they're faced with these insane challenges, navigating conversations with pet owners um, who are angry and accusatory and um, and wanting them to proceed with free treatment and uh, and then, meanwhile, they're treating these animals that are sick and dying. And, you know, there's just um, we can dive into any one of those, those nuances, but it is an incredibly challenging industry. And I don't think people really realize it. And, and, and there's a lot of professionals who are suffering in the industry. That's so sad to hear. I also am left realizing, too. You all are constantly around a particular type of human suffering that's in some ways harder. I don't know if this is fair to say, because there's all kinds of suffering in the world, right? We're not getting it. I don't want to get into a pissing contest about different types of suffering, but I will say like, if let's say somebody has a grandparent who's in hospice care, you can go talk to your grandparent and your grandparent can help let you know about the end of life experience and you can sit there and communicate with them and ask them what they need and try to provide it and get closure effectively is what I'm saying. Now, this is not true in every case, even in the course of this podcast, Lord knows we've heard dozens of stories of things that were just brutally unfair or sudden or uh, just unfathomable. But for a lot of human sickness and death, you're able to have a human-to-human -human conversation to help rationalize it. Whereas with a pet, so often, you know, when a pet gets put to sleep, you're saying goodbye to this, to this animal that's been a friend to your family, and the animal is getting blindsided. And there's, you can go give a dog a hug and say goodbye, and then that dog looks back at you, and more often than not just goes, what's going on? And then it's over. And that's, that's a very specific type of suffering that we all know people go through, but you don't really think about how a vet goes through that. Is it fair to say every day that you're around that energy? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean, there's not, there probably isn't a euthanasia every single day for every single veterinarian, but, um, but yeah, there's, it's always present because even if you're not, you know, that day looking at a, a euthanasia on your schedule, you're probably talking to a pet owner about um, end of life decisions or giving a diagnosis that um, may mean, you know, that, that euthanasia is, is something they have to start thinking about. Um, there's also the flip side of that, which is, um, well, and, and just to say, like, we are actually really, I think our pets are really lucky that we have humane euthanasia 
as an option for them. I think we need to get a little bit more progressive with that for people um, because um, because it's awful to to have to suffer for a long, long time at the end of life. And some of these disease processes take a long time to really unfold to a natural death. And to give somebody the a kind exit is is really a beautiful thing. But there's the flip side of, you know, A, someone has to make that decision of when it's time, which is really hard. Um, I know you're not a dog person, so this isn't a part of your life, Chris, but having to actually figure out like when to make that decision for somebody that you love is really insane. Um, and then the flip side is people hold on for too long, and then the veterinarians caring for those animals also have to deal with a really heavy emotional burden of, hey, you're telling me to keep treating this thing. You're you're wanting to do every last possible um, treatment to extend your animal's life, and I can see that they are suffering to a degree that is, um, you know, they don't have a quality of life left, and this is actually like painful to continue treating your pet when they're suffering to this degree, but some people can't let go and they just push it probably too far. And that's, you know, I, I mean, that's just my personal opinion, right? I, I, I don't want to offend people listening, but, um, but I've seen that happen. And that's also another piece of the puzzle that you're dealing with emotionally when you're talking about, you know, end of life care for animals. I'll tell you, I've had some experience with this. So, when oh, yeah. well when we got together my wife had a cat amazing cat named Ramona named after the Ramones this cat was out of her gourd crazy and i knew her she was already 10 or 12 years old and my wife was like if you think this cat is crazy now like this cat has had me kicked out of apartments i've had people tell me i cannot <laughs> like live with you get at like i will come home and the cat will be sitting in the middle of the floor amongst chaos and the person will go you have to leave um, the cat was nuts, but it was so, uh, like such a lovable cat, despite being nuts. You'll appreciate to hear this. Hallie realized at one point she took Ramona to the vet and realized that Ramona's chart had a skull and crossbones on it. And <laughs> I, I forget what was written on it, but it was like, like warning scratcher or something like that. Like it had like a bunch of shorthand code written by the vet office to be like, yo, this cat's nuts. Like this cat's wild. And um, when we got together, Ramona was still alive. And when we moved in together, Ramona was still alive. But then the doctor, you know, Ramona got sick and the the doctor was saying, no, we think it's a thing. It's a kidney thing that could heal up. And it got to the point where Hallie was giving the cat IV bags at home. Like we're giving a cat, like a 12, 13 year old cat IV drips. And it was so beautiful to see my wife fight for that cat. And it was so hard. The cat eventually passed away at home and it was awful. And I tried to be a good partner. I actually discovered Ramona. It was horrible. And I left and I was very conflicted because I was like, I feel like that doctor should have maybe seen the writing on the wall more, but that's a tough thing to have to say. And also I love my wife and how hard she fought for that cat. But I also was like, I got to really be clear about my living will situation, my DNR situation here. Cause if she would fight that hard for a cat, well, she would fight for oh, me. Yeah. And I got to make it clear at some point you can let me go. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Yeah. Like you can let me go. So 
It's very eye-opening and head-spinning. And some of that I'm obviously being semi-facetious about, but it's all rooted in a lot of truth. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's, you have definitely lived that exact experience. And, you know, to be fair, the vets, they can't, they're never going to say, you know, I think you got to let go now. Like, you can't say that, right? You have to let people make their choices and, and give them the medical, you know, diagnoses and give them the treatment options. And um, you can't ever, if somebody says to you, what should I do? You can't say, you know, I think, I think you should euthanize, right? You, you, you really have to let people make that decision on their own with as much information as you can give them. But sometimes, you know, the result is people do hold on for, maybe longer than they should. And, um, and you know, it's like, it's worth trying also, right? Like there are, there are situations where I, my own cat, I, I think I let him go too long because he had something that there was a chance that we could maybe get him through. And I just, I didn't see the writing on the wall with him that it wasn't going to work um, as quickly as I probably needed to. So like, I've been there in that, decision-making myself. Um, and then I've, you know, I've been, I think with, with dogs, you know, I have made it in the right moment, but it's so hard. It's so hard. And then to put the weight of that on the veterinarian, a lot of people do, right. They put that weight on the veterinarian. Well, tell me what to do. What should I do? But you didn't tell me the right thing to do. Now I spent all this money and my pet died anyway, or, you know, I euthanized and, and now I think it was too soon. I shouldn't have euthanized. Like there's, so many things that get sort of pinned on the person who is really just there doing their best to help you and your pet because they care so deeply that they got into a profession that pays them kind of a pittance and really doesn't appreciate them nearly enough. Um, and they just get blamed left and right. I hear you. I also just, a memory came back dark, but funny where I, uh, I remember we, you know, the cat passed away and we drove into Manhattan from Brooklyn where we were at the time. And we, we went to the emergency place and I had wrapped her in a towel and Hallie said goodbye. And we drove past the first apartment they lived in together. And then Hallie was like, you have to bring her in. It's too hard for me. And I brought her in and they were like, okay. Uh, and we were going to get the cat cremated. And they said, you just have to pick out an urn. And I was like, I don't know how to pick out an urn for a cat. My wife said, no, she's like shambles right now. Like, I can't. What am I going to do? Schlep back out into the car in the middle of the night and be like, now we got to pick an urn. You do have to come in. I'm like, no, be a good partner. Just pick an urn. So I picked an urn. And then they came back. And I forget if we got it that night, if I waited or if we had to come back for it. But either way, when it showed up in the house, my wife almost instantly was like, why is their urn so fucking big? I'm like, I. I don't know. I just went. I just kind of went with my instincts. This is a huge thing to have in our house for the rest of our lives. I was like, yeah, sorry about that. In hindsight, I, I don't know. In my mind, there were going to be a lot of ashes because Ramona was an adult-sized cat. But yeah, you're right. This is a kind of a big, giant wooden box with her picture on the side. I guess we're going to just have to look at that all the time. <laughs> it's pretty funny. 
at least you only have one. I have now a collection of, uh, like, I have, like, a little shelf that has all of the past animals that I just carry from home to home. I, my intent is actually to, like, when I get into the home that I'm going to be in forever, which is probably not this home, uh, I'm going to, you know, plant a garden and put the ashes underneath, you know, specific plants and, like, have, you know, dedicate some some space to my animals that have passed. But right now I'm just schlepping along these like cedar boxes with uh, ashes in them in a very sort of morbid corner of my guest room, actually. So that guests have to look really, at my your guests, pet animals. So, you're, <laughs> so you have guests visit you and they have to drive to a coast and then they put their car on a boat and then the ferry brings them across the cold brackish waters of the Pacific Northwest and then they drive to an island to your house and then they're surrounded by the ashes of, of dead animals. This is how you treat your guests? Yeah. This is how I treat my guests. There was nowhere else good. To, there was no space. I ran out of space, so it's the guest room. <laughs> and you say you've had multiple friends turn around and be like, I got to live here too. <laughs> yeah. Although, to be fair, I don't think that I put them in the dead animal guest room. I don't think that the people that are living yeah. there now have ever had to stay in. Yeah. I just really, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I was just like, where is that urn? And I'm like, oh, right. It's right by, I think it's right by our front door. That big urn, big urn. Interesting. Front door, front and center. Just living on an Island surrounded by death. Loving it. <laughs> you say you'll never go back to the mainland where people don't dwell on death all the time never going back oh it's so peaceful here Chris it's so peaceful it's so lovely and the people are just nice great community it's a weird small town community but it's also like the loveliest people it's just a beautiful beautiful place are your kids going to go to school on the island yeah yeah they are I do you know this is where I start to question I'm like are my kids going to be really weird because they grew up on this island? Or are they going to be like... Listen, I got some bad news for you. I've only been talking to you for 50 minutes. I've never met your kids, and I'm sure I'm sure your kid is so adorable, and your kid who will be born in a matter of weeks will be even more so. They're going to be weird. They live on an island. Yeah, they live on a ferry island. So they're going to be weird. You're going to have to They're just own that. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I feel I feel a little bad about it, but it's also like a magical place to grow up. So they might be weird, but I think they'll also be like really beautiful little spirits, hopefully. And then they'll go out <laughs> and take that into the world. But they could also be I'm really sure. crazy and, and just want to, you know, get the hell out of here as soon as they oh. possibly can and move to New York. Listen, I love right. weird people. I would identify as someone who is pretty weird growing up and... Weird people have always been my, uh, that's, that's my crew. That's my people is people who in some way are a little off kilter. So I say it with love. I'm not judging, but let's not pretend that anyone who grows up the most socially adept and well-adjusted person who ever grew up on that Island, at least internally is operating a little differently than your mainlanders, right? Do you call them mainlanders? Well, I so there's actually a, like several different terms out there of referring to the mainland. I refer to it as mainland 
in this call because that sounds less weird, but my husband and I actually say when we go over, we're going to America. So we don't even to really America. the island with being part of America. Yes. <laughs> That's our phrasing. We're going to America. So, um, yeah. I don't know that I have a name for the people over there, though. I guess mainlanders. Americans? Sure, call it that, but, uh, Americans? But, yeah, Americans. You know. Do you do you bother to vote <laughs> in elections that don't affect that, that aren't local to the island? You're good, yes. <laughs> yes, I care very much about the outcome of elections. <laughs> when you see people start putting up, because I look like I live in a small na- like a neighborhood in a small town, and like when someone puts up a lawn sign, and for, look, everybody listening to this show knows my politics, so I'm not trying to start fights, but like. People in my neighborhood who a couple people have put up Trump signs where I'm like, oh, well, we all know each other's business in this neighborhood and you got a Trump sign on your lawn and I'm out here with my Mikey Sherrill signs, my my Democratic congresswoman. I'm like, oh, I guess now we have a weird thing that we we're on very far apart sides of the fence. And it feels when you're on an island with people, when you start to get the people who put it out there wherever it may be everybody knows each other's business on that island right yeah yeah you do have to be uh i am careful with that and i try very hard to um you know i'm i'm left leaning probably you could guess that but um yeah if i see you know a hardcore trumper out there and we have a actually a hefty contingent of those here on this island um, I definitely have to be very mindful to, um, you know, kind of tamp down any any judgment and and just really look at them as you know part of my community and human beings that I can relate to on other levels and because um, it is a, it's a very small town and I definitely try to you know not broach the subject of politics with people that are clearly leaning in a in a different direction because. You don't really want to start that when you live in a very small community. No, and I'm learning that, like, living, you know, going from New York City where, I mean, there were thousands of people. I from I'm In the three or four blocks walk from my house in Jackson Heights, Queens, to the subway, I would probably walk past, no joke, a thousand people in four blocks. It's not an exaggeration. I think that's actually probably underestimating it. Now I'm in a small town out in Jersey. Still Jersey, still the Northeast, the most densely packed state in the country. But I'm learning one of the things that slices through the fever of national politics and the the constant barrage of news that you do have to question how much of it is trying to get people mad and scared to generate income and clicks and to keep your eyes glued to a screen. Um, and Lord knows there's things you have to stay aware of. Like right now, as you and I are taping this, the house of representatives is non-functioning. There's wars in the Ukraine, not the Ukraine in Ukraine and, and Gaza and Israel. Like there's so many things you need to pay attention to, but I do find that when you think locally, you can break the fever and that even somebody whose politics are very different than mine. When you think locally, you can start to look people in the eye and go, okay, like, when you stop hanging flags that are trying to send a message and I stop 
putting up lawn signs for my candidates to try to send a message back. And we stopped trying to send these big theoretical messages. How do you, how do you feel about the school? Is it good? We both have kids in the school. Can we just talk about that? You know, I volunteer for the first aid squad. What do you do? Oh, you, uh, you're on the volunteer fire department. That's cool. Thank you for doing that. At the, let's just start there before anybody hangs a flag either as a message or as a response to a perceived message. What do you do in this community to make things a little bit better for your family and the families around you? And when you think locally like that, it allows you to live outside of this constant feeling that we're under attack from each other. And I do think for all the jokes I've made about your island, I have to imagine there's elements of that small town life that help with that. 100%. And I mean, there's been enough experiences of, you know, interacting with someone in the grocery store and you have a really sweet exchange with them and like you feel connected to the community and you walk out to your cars and you see a big Trump sticker, you know, and like, like, okay, all right, cool. That's, you know, I, I didn't see that as the first thing. And I'm so glad because I connected to you on a human level, on a community level and, um, yeah, if you start there, we can all just be humans. It goes, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, I was listening to the Love is Everywhere waffle brunch. And for me, it all goes back to Love is Everywhere, right? We are all just living in the same world yeah. and we have different opinions, but we can, we can recognize that we're all part of the same, you know, universal love that permeates everything and just be together in the community. We don't have to like let these things become so, you know, big and and come between us. Um, Yeah. And I I don't know where I'm going with that. No, I'm with you totally. And I also will say too, you start to realize in a small town, you go, it's because it's so much easier to learn about people. And I will say, the people who are very demonstrative and performative in their politics, I would say that some of them really care about politics. Some of them might be kooks. And I'm not saying only conservative. There are a lot of progressive and liberal kooks out here, and they're revealing themselves more and more lately. There are some people who want to start fights. Like I saw a person with a Trump hat at my grocery store, and I immediately got the instinct of, you just want someone to tell you to take that hat off because you want to have a fight. But what I find more often than not is that no matter what end of a political spectrum you're from, that if it becomes very demonstrative, like I said, performative, like I said, 90% of the time, that person is scared about something. They've been through Mm -hmm. something or they've been convinced of something and they're really scared. And that allows me to take a deep breath and go, well, that I can work with because I sympathize with that. I know what it's like to be scared. Now, are you scared about something that's built on a foundation of lies? That's a problem. Are you scared about something and putting another type of human being as a scapegoat for your fears? That's a problem. You know, are you scared and only looking at it through the bias of how you were raised? That's a problem. Now, we all have our versions of these things we can do, but I really like living in a small town now. And I think in the same way that you like living in this island, it sounds like at least part of it is like, okay, before we get in a fight, what is freaking you out so bad that you're this cry for help? Because then I can look the other way on your mm-hmm. sticker on your truck and 
and and pray that you're you're not being manipulated or tricked and that the part of you that's like a good person who's just full of anxiety wins out in the end yeah you can put those toddler parenting skills to use there right because with toddlers there's <laughs> yes. often a lot of bad behaviors that are just rooted in emotions that they don't know how to process and if you take the approach of look the behavior isn't really okay but your feelings are, and I can empathize with those. And if we start there, then we might be able to get somewhere as opposed to just looking at the behaviors that are problematic. I love it. Now our time is up. I do want one last question for the free feed that I'm so, I feel like we could have talked about this for so long. There has to be, cause we're talking about like small town division, local life. There's a dividing line between people who grew up on the Island and people who just showed up from America, right? It has to be. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I don't like telling people where I actually came from because <laughs> on the island because there definitely is, and I, I feel sort of shameful about like bringing the outsider vibe here, and then also like getting a few people to move here um, because there definitely is a divide between people who are deeply rooted here for generations, or um, you know or at least they were the first ones who were born here and, you know, and grew up here. There's definitely a divide. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for talking to everybody on the free feed. We're going to say our goodbye. We're doing this new bonus content now, and it should be launching any day. Now we are finally nailing down the contract and uh, I want to thank you for talking. We're going to say goodbye to the free feed. And then I'm going to ask you five more follow-up questions for the, for the bonus content people, if you have the time and if that's cool for you. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. And thank you so much, Chris. It's, I, I, I'm, I'm here for the extra content and it's just been great talking to you for the, the last hour as well. Caller, thank you so much for calling. Thank you so much for filling us in and thank you for contributing some bonus content as well. And everybody, we're going to have info on how you can sign up to get that bonus content any day now. I promise you that. Thank you so much to Andrea Quinn, the High Priestess of Beautiful Anonymous, for all your help with the show. Thank you to Shell Shag. You are incredible, and we are lucky to be friends, and I, I love every time I get to see you. Support Shell Shag, everybody. Go to chrisgeth.com if you want to know more about me, especially if you want to buy tickets to come see me on the road, especially if you're in Salem or Gloucester counties or Cumberland, whichever one it was. I'm, I've announced two of those three. Uh, anyway, go to chrisgeth.com to buy tickets, everybody. Our voicemail line is at 973-306-4676. If you want to pitch us a story, we'd love to hear it. 973-306-4676. And don't forget, you can follow the show on Instagram now. It's at Pod.